Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we're continuing our series on how we found our Great Loop boat, and I'm very pleased to have David and Deborah Allen with me. They're going to share the story of how they found the right boat for their Great Loop. And as you know, if you've been following along, that everybody's perfect Great Loop boat is different. So there's no one answer, but the Allens will share the details of their boat and how they went about that search. And we started this series in 2021 because we knew one of the biggest challenges right now is finding a boat for the loop. So we're bringing these stories to you in hopes that it inspires some of you and gives some of you some ideas on how you might go about this task right now in a very challenging market for the buyer. So before I officially bring in the Allens, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners and viewers to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. So David and Deborah Allen, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Great to be here. Thank you, Kim. We're happy to be here. Yep, and we you're kind of making us all a little envious because we see that you're coming to us from aboard your boat there in a, a marina. So tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about your story, but where you are now, and um, also fill us in a little bit on whatever boating background you've had in the past. Well, we are currently we're sitting we're sitting on our boat, uh, Cersei, on uh, in Little River, South Carolina, which is our home port. Um, our boating background, mine goes back to uh, being a kid. Um, I grew up you know, and, and boated with, you know, with friends and, and, and family on you know, Blackwater, you know, creeks and rivers, South Carolina. And, you know, I get grown and, and I bought my first boat. You know, once you get out of school, you know, I got a little money. So you know, I bought my first boat, which is, it was your sort of your, I call it the starter boat, a 15 foot speed boat. And we sort of progressed up probably for the last she married me, and she kind of like married into my addiction. I had never been David. Uh huh. And we uh, have been doing express cruisers, you know, probably for the last twenty-five or thirty years. Um, traveling uh, with our with our boating club, we're big uh, America's Boating Club Power Squadron members. So we've you know, done a lot of trailer boating and those kinds of things. Our boat prior to this. Um, was a 27-foot express cruiser, and we've cruised um, everywhere. I have cruised everywhere from uh, New York to Key West on the East Coast, up and down the ICW. And we've, we've chartered a boat in the Pacific Northwest as well. Most of it's been in the Carolinas, uh, the Carolinas, uh, North Florida, those kinds of areas, you know, easy striking distance from, from South Carolina. Yeah, well, so that's lots of experience so probably made it somewhat easier to decide what kind of boat you were looking for especially since you had had some boats before but um, let's not leave everybody in suspense tell everyone what kind of boat Circe is and then we'll talk a little bit about what made you choose Circe. Circe is a a, a Carver 430 uh, cockpit motor yacht Um, when we were looking we hit the search We've got experience with, with friends that had larger boats or large boats. I call anything to me a, the, the deciding point between a big boat 
is a go from trailer boat to not so trailer boats. That's my my mark in my head. But uh, we had friends that had you know large boats, trawlers, and we traveled with them some. And so we we were somewhat familiar with that sort of class of boats. But yeah, you know, we're not sailors, so that was just sort of uh, you know a, uh, a that eliminated one whole class of boats for looking at. But we just launched into the hunt. Um, we really were looking at trawlers as well as uh, express cruisers, more of a motor yacht. So we started the search looking for a wide variety, um, really fell in love with that uh, power cat that we had in the Pacific Northwest, but we quickly ruled that was out of our price range and the size we wanted. <laughs> uh, we spent a number of years looking on the internet uh, and really, I guess it was, spent about three years seriously looking, uh, going to boat shows, going to trawler fest, actually visiting boats for sale up, uh, up and down the coast from uh, really Virginia to Florida. Mm-hmm. And, and we just, we, we, what sort of pruned it down, we started, we hadn't like given up on the concept of, um, of trawlers, but, you can make a 20 knot boat go eight. You can't make an eight note, eight knot boat go 20. And there are occasions when you need to do that. We have been caught in weather situations where we were able to outrun weather or make a bridge opening. And you can, you can trawl along in a boat. And if you have to, you can kick it up and run. And that, tip the scales not completely but that was sort of toward the end of the search guiding um you know guiding the directions that we were looking yeah so before we jump into what features were important to you besides the speed uh tell us where you got the name Cersei for your boat well we we started probably like most people we had a list that two was two pages long and we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't reconcile a difference of opinion on what the name of the boat should be. Uh, I come from a long line of thinking every boat has its own personality and deserves its own name. And it and, speaks to you. The name has yeah. to speak to you. So David probably through the years would have had the same name. He probably named everything Caribbean soul. One, two, three, four, five, <laughs> three years. Uh-huh. But um, ultimately, um, David is of Scottish heritage, and um, it just it just really dawned on me. I didn't really think about the way we came into the boat initially, but my grandparents were in the military and every time they would return home, they always brought me what grandmother called a Cersei. It wasn't, you know, just a thoughtful little gift sometimes. And it wasn't much. It was just something from their trip. And I proposed that to David. Once I looked at the history of the name, it's verbal, it's Celtic. And he really liked that. It's very particular to North and South Carolina only and parts of Pennsylvania where settlers from North and South Carolina traveled. Uh, so he was really struck by that. And we finally agreed on something. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, and it's spelled S-U-R-C-E-E. A lot of people tend to confuse it with the Greek goddess Circe. It's spelled with a C. Um, this is unique. To again, a unique to where we're from, to where I, to my roots, to some of her roots, and just there you go. There, there was the answer right there. 
Yeah, and that's one of the things that intrigued me uh, being in Charleston. Uh, Cersei is, I wouldn't even say it's a common word here, but a little bit more common since we are in South Carolina. Um, yes. And I think I first came across it from a cookie company here that, you know, suggested this, you know, that their cookies were a great Cersei. And I thought, what is that? And did some more research and um, found out more about it. So when I came across that as your boat name, I thought, how interesting. I wonder why. Um, so, yeah, that it's uh, I love the name. Um, it suits you, obviously, and it suits your boat. So Cersei is a, a Carver 430 cockpit motor yacht. And as you went about, you know, kind of the search, and it sounds like you started with a pretty wide scope since you looked at trawlers and motor yachts and, and even had found a power cat that you were excited about. Um, aside from the style of boat or, you know, the classification, what were some of the features that you wanted? Really, Kim, the, the thing that we wanted, we wanted something that was diesel. We wanted something that both that two people could handle. And I really wanted a master berth that you could walk around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I was tired of climbing over David all the time on our express cruisers. You know, uh, and I think a lot of people don't realize, actually, the importance of that until they've really? actually had to do it. <laughs> exactly. So when you're first boat shopping, and, if, you know, if it's your first bigger boat that really even has sleeping quarters, you may not really, you know, contemplate that only having one side of the bed to get in and out can be a little bit challenging when yes. somebody's always climbing over. So, um, yes, that's a great feature. And I'm glad you pointed that out because, like I said, sometimes you don't realize that until you're in that circumstance. So go right. ahead. Yeah, continue. But really, those, those, that, that was the basic. I mean, you know, if you start looking at it was really more of the what would you like's and that was often then we just discovered regulated by the price we didn't want or we weren't willing to pay. But we also thought it would be wonderful to have, you know, bow thrusters. That was another thing we looked at, you know, to have the, as much as possible to have the electronics up to date. Um, those are some of the things that we thought about. Uh, but really, mostly we were looking for something that we could handle just the two of us. And we both have. Um, our uh, 50 ton captain's license. Uh, so we, you know, we have a little bit of game. And I guess the thing that bothered me the most is we were looking at boats and I would think we were really looking, we looked at everything from maybe 36 to 45 feet in length, mm -hmm. uh, all the different boats we looked at during this time frame. And, and you know, I got frustrated in terms of, we were either, the broker was either showing us boats that I thought were too old because I didn't want to spend a lot of time, you know, doing a lot of refitting and work on an older boat, but yet I could not afford a newer, brand new boat. So I was hunting for that optimum. And that to me was the most frustrating part of the search. Mm -hmm. um, it's it just, you know, finding what you were looking for within a proper price range where it fit your size that you needed. Well, and I know you've had Cersei for about three years, so that process has become even more challenging. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you mentioned that you searched for about three years, I think is what you had said, um, which is a pretty long time. So was that, you know, three years of really nitty gritty active searching, looking at listings and getting on boats potentially because that might be the one or was early in the process just a little bit more fact finding? You know, at what point did you really start? working with a broker and actually looking for boats that you might be interested in putting an offer in? 
probably a year. They yeah. worked with the broker for a year. Yeah, for, for right at a year, getting you know boots on the ground or or, or deck shoes on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, the other than that, we you know we're you know uh, I'm I was at the time we started all this like semi-retired. Deborah was still working, and I was in a position where I could I, I could pretty much wind up my my career and take off. She was a little bit more bound than that. But you know, we so we had okay, we weren't in any real hurry initially, but then you start realizing, okay, time, you know, time's up. We need to start getting a little more focused. So we've you know, like uh kick up the search to uh to you know to get really quite serious about it. Yeah. So as someone who had owned boats, as a, you know, an experienced boater, at what point in the process did you decide to use a buyer's broker and why did you go in that direction? Well, a buyer's, you know, you, and we have got friends, as I said, who have, you know, who have purchased large boats and they've used brokers and a couple of them are pretty frugal in nature. So that, that's telling to me right there. Um, and really, if, if anything, we were more confident that they would be able to find a larger variety of boats than mm-hmm. we had been able to find ourselves. And uh, something that, you know, once we described what we were wanting, that they could be out there looking all of the time while we still had other commitments we had to deal with. Right. So I guess ultimately we were hoping to, to really focus our search and, and, you know, become a little more streamlined in the effort. Right. Fine. If you, you know, a broker has the ability to line up three or four or five boats for you to see in, in a trip that is, that is really difficult for somebody, you know, a private individual to do. I mean, we, we had one weekend where we started in little river, if you know the coast of South Carolina, you know, starting Little River, which is right on the North Carolina, South Carolina state line, looked at three or four boats around here, got in the car, rode, you know, 150 miles south to Charleston, looked at two or three there, um, down to Hilton Head, another 100 miles to the south, and then, you know, scheduled several others on the way back. And you can, you can see an awful lot of stuff, and you can qualify and disqualify a lot of vessels like that. And the advantage that the broker had for us was that um, you know, he was able to do that to a large extent. We found our broker um, by sure serendipity is kind of a, like the guiding word for this entire process. I have a mm-hmm. high school friend who owned a brokerage. So I just you know, contacted them. And that's there was no massive search process involved. It was just, yeah. Yeah. I knew I knew a guy. You know? mm-hmm. So how did it come about that you actually located the Carver 430 that you ended up buying? Accidental. Accidental serendipity. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned, we're both power squadron people. And I, I was at a, at a regional meeting and plopped down next to a friend of mine I'd known for you know, 25 years. And we struck up the conversation and they were boating for the price. So we immediately go to boats and what's going on and what you got planned. And I told them that, well, you know, Deb's, you know, closing in on retirement, we're going to take off and do the loop. Um, well, we've got a boat. No, not yet. Uh, we're looking though, looking pretty hard. We need to talk. 
<laughs> and again, by chance, the boat was docked about five miles from where we were sitting at that meeting. And he gave me the key, said, go take a look, you know, go take a look, look around and let me know what you think. Um, so really, it was actually four years today ago that uh, David brought me to look at the boat. Uh-huh. Uh, because while it's, uh, you know, at 43 feet, it was really on the edge probably of what we thought we could handle, particularly when you add another five feet with the dinghy lift that it has with it. Uh, but uh, more than anything, it has a lot of steps. I was looking for something ultimately at that point that was more maybe one level uh, in living area. And this has a lot of up and down, which uh, is not uncommon. Uh, but uh, it's, um, you know, I really question if it was the right boat. Um, mm-hmm. Once we look at it and I saw how much was involved. The only really good thing I like is very easy to get from the front, from the bow to the stern. And I really liked that cockpit in the, in the stern that allowed me to get closer to the water. I really had not liked the pure aft cabin um, vessels that we had looked at. Right. But, but uh, you know, we hummed, hummed and hawed about it. And, and then my friend made me the offer I could not refuse. <laughs> it was an offer I, I could not refuse uh-huh. and um and and as a as as by you know making a long story quite short he and his wife had bought the boat and they were to to do the loop and she passed away unexpectedly uh-huh. and he remarried and family age and health suddenly got in the way and he wanted somebody he wanted to pass the baton as it were the boat own and he was really he knew we would because we knew each other yeah deb and i would take off we would do the loop and and he said and there's a condition to all of this and that is you've got to come back and you've got to tell me the stories of what all you did Interestingly enough, about two or three weeks ago, we had brunch with him. And the first thing he asked was, have y'all taken off the loop yet? And I said, no, but we're shooting for April. We're shooting mm-hmm. for April right now. Um, so instead, we got to tell him about the trip we, we recently took to Oprah Coach. <laughs> oh, that, that's along <laughs> so, the loop anyway. But no, that's, that's exactly. a really neat well, story. And um, the nice thing is being able to do short trips and get accustomed to the boat and, uh, you know, while I'm getting accustomed to provisioning for you know, more than a few days trip at a time, David's getting accustomed to docking this behemoth. (laughs) (laughs) And also, uh, you know, the the boat is in 1995. And I had a lot of, I had, you know, a bunch of confidence in, in the boat because I knew the previous owner. I knew him well. So you always, anytime you buy something, you always wonder how did the other other guy handle this. Um, and, and I knew him, and I knew him, and and he was incredibly incredibly um, ethical about things. He and I went out one day and just did a, did a quick you know quick and dirty sea trial. Just went out and ran it ran it around, 
before we got it, before I got a surveyor involved. And, you know, and all was right with the world. Well, two weeks later, when Deb came, came back, we discovered a big old fuel leak in the engine compartment. And I called him and I, I discovered what the source of it was. It was mine. Um, it was a, a cracked fuel line. But he said, don't worry about it. I'll get my guy down there. and We'll get it taken care of. And bang, in a week it was fixed. The, the, the bills was cleaned out. So you're dealing with a guy that has an incredible amount of integrity. So you, it makes you feel good about everything that, that you, that, that's involved. Yeah. It's an older boat, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to have its idiosyncrasies, and there are going to be things that are break. But Well, that's David's long way of saying, well, it's a 1995, and he's very comfortable with the boat's integrity and the engine's integrity. We just had all new Garmin Electronics put in. So we've spent the past three years with the boat, learning to run it and upgrading some of the systems that had aged. Yeah. So let's take a quick break and play a message from a sponsor. Um, Then we'll come back. I want to talk a little bit more about some of the upgrades that you have done um, and some of the things that maybe you had to compromise on when you selected this boat. We know one of them was the lots of steps, but we'll uh, (laughs) play the message from the sponsor and we'll come back in a moment. At Twin Rivers Marine Insurance, our customers' personal insurance needs are first and foremost. I'm Gary Clausen. Our goal here at Twin Rivers Marine Insurance is to instill a sense of reliability, trust, and confidence in our clients. As marine insurance specialists, we have the ability to shop the market and offer the most comprehensive policy for the most competitive price. Our customer service and attention to detail is second to none. Visit us at BoatInsuranceOnly.com. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guests today are Deborah and David Allen. They are the owners of Circe. She is a Carver 43, uh, correct? Yeah, 430 uh, cockpit motor yacht. And uh, we're just chatting about how they found and purchased their boat. Um, One of the things that you said in your kind of pre-interview was that the perfect boat is a unicorn. And I I love that because I think that is very true. Every boat purchase is a compromise. And we talked a little bit about some of the features you wanted to have. Uh, Deborah mentioned that she's not so thrilled about all the steps in this boat. So it's always a trade-off. But, you know, ultimately, what compromises did you make? Were there other things that you had to give up in favor of this boat when you got the offer that you could not refuse? You know, you mentioned bow thrusters was on the list. I don't think this boat has them, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so talk about those compromises and, and where you ended up. Well, the, the like I said, bow thrusters is one of them. It, um, because I was taking a quantum leap for me in size from 27 to 43 feet, I had concerns about my ability to be able to handle you know, this much boat. Um, on the other hand, I didn't, it, that had never been, that was on the wish list. Um, it forces you to bring your A game every time you pull into a dock with, when you don't have, on the other hand, it has two, it, it's got twin engines. So uh, you've got a lot of help, you know, with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was, you know, one of the, one of the uh, sort of the key compromises. Um, and to some extent, you know, we did not have a lot of hard and fast aspects. I would have liked more of a one-level living, so we did. We had to compromise that 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 
was not the case. Um, but I did get my galley down. I was not interested in a galley up. I preferred the separation. Uh, and it gave us a wonderful, uh, uh, really dinette area in the galley, which is an area where we can t- continue to do some work, that type of thing. So really, you know, I don't have a full walk around bed. The bed's about three quarters of a walk around the way the master cabin is on this boat. But we still have two separate cabins and two separate heads. Uh, so that, you know, that was terrific. Uh Really, the of course, the electronics were not new, so uh, we've just replaced all of our, uh, you know, all of our electronics and, and radar. Uh, but, um, you know, for the most part, we're extremely fortunate. Uh, you know, there will probably be additional upgrades that we might want to make, Um you know, I would, you know, but a lot of those are cosmetic. You know, I'd love to rip out the carpet in the boat and put mm-hmm. down some new flooring and get a new sofa. Uh, but, you know, right now the new electronics and we just got a new anchor that we're halfway finished installing, <laughs> but, but the rain delayed that finished, finishing that job today. Um, really, there were not a lot of compromises that, that we had to make when you realize it's diesel. We can both handle it. That's proven. We don't really need the bow thrusters. That truly was just a nice add-on we would have received. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I think just through the, through the search and being honest with each other about what we liked and we didn't like, the one thing that we don't have that I really would have loved to have had, but it was a wish list item, was better access to the engine compartment. You know, I didn't want to have to lift the floor in the salon area every time we had to to check everything before leaving. And to me, that was the biggest compromise. Uh, But I wasn't willing to pay what it would have cost with the boat we found that I did like that did provide you, you know, cockpit access to the engine room. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, those are the trade-offs that sometimes become pretty pretty easy when you see the costs associated with them. That's um, exactly right. I mean, I can I can climb that engine, I can lift that carpet an awful lot for you know six figure difference. I sure. can I, I can compromise. Yeah, I can. That's a compromise. That's a little bit compromise. Yeah. One of the things that uh, this isn't really a question; it's more of a comment. But one of the things I really enjoyed about hearing your story is that when we do talk to experienced boaters. Um, that really shows through in their caution, um, so to speak. I think experienced boaters know a little bit more about, they know what they don't know. So it's very interesting, you being a lifelong boater and hearing you say that you were worried about being able to handle this big boat because your last one was 27 feet. We have newer boaters who don't think about that because they know they can get some training. So it's just really interesting to hear your approach, especially you both being um, captains. Um, that the upgrade things were more like the anchor and the electronics uh, and you're, you're kind of waiting on the carpet and you've taken your time getting used to the boat. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, that mindset, because I think there's a lot of people that would go, oh, well, well, David's been boating his whole life and he had a 27 foot boat and they're both captains. So why would they have any concerns about a 43 foot motor yacht? Um, but there are legitimate concerns. So, you know, from your experiences, tell us about that. Well, we both teach boating safety and, the one thing, and the one thing that I that we always kind of kick off our class with is that. Uh, thank you for being here. You're smart enough to realize you don't know everything. 
The most dangerous guy out there is the guy who says, I've been voting all my life and I know it all. And he's going to he's going to be the guy that CETO is going to be dragging in or he's going to end up on the news somehow. So it, voting is it, it's a constant, ongoing learning process. And a, a lot of it has to do with, you know, you've got and, and the boat search in particular is about you finding kind of your own way. You know, you, you know, you know some people, Deborah's mentioned to a galley down arrangement. If you want a galley down, we have friends that would, you couldn't, you couldn't give them a mega yacht with a galley down. I mean, that's, you know, that is their deal breaker. So we're lucky in that we've made enough mistakes so far mm-hmm. and we've made compromises with other boats that we can overcome with this one, or we know that what might be a deal crusher of an issue, you know, like a, like a lack of a bow thruster. I can't, I can't buy a 43 foot boat unless I've got bow thruster and stern thruster. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. You may have to spool it up. You may have to, you know, to get some training. Yeah, there are plenty of, you know, good places where you can get, you know, training, book learning, hands-on stuff, depending upon whatever, you know, fits for you. And like I said, we've had the boat now, you know, we ease into it. You know, we take off and you do short little trips and, you know, and try not to scream at each other too loud like we're docking the boat or dancing lines and, and we've been at that long enough. And I think this is something that's very true for, for, for new boaters. And it's, it's a running joke in the boating community. It's very true. Mm-hmm. You're going to yell at your spouse. You just don't take it personally. You're just, when it, it's just I'm not mad at you. I'm mad that things are happening. Um, and you know, we know enough to know that that's going to happen. And you sit down afterwards and say, sorry, honey, that's all right. <laughs> that, that, I think that's really great advice for, for people who are early in the boat search and um, haven't really stopped to consider what experience they have as they're looking for that boat. And the insurance companies are kind of taking care of that on their own a little bit by limiting what they'll let people upgrade to. Um, but you mentioned that, you know, you teach boating safety. I know you're a very active members of the America's Boating Club. So put in a, as we wrap up, if you would want to go ahead and put in a plug for them, because it is a nationwide group, so people can find those classes everywhere. But what's a good place for want to be loopers to start with that education process. We are, I said, we're both United States Power Squadron members of America's Boating Club, and that is a good place to start. We offer um, a lot of on, you know, we offer some on the water stuff and a lot of, of um, classroom work as well. So you can you can learn it and then get out on the water and figure it out. And, and, and it, it, you take it from a book to, okay, and now I know what that marker over there means. And, 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 it, makes, and it makes sense. So you can, uh, you can, uh, you can uh, Google America's Boating Club um, or the United States Power Squadron. We're out there. Um, there are uh, roughly 400 local units all over the country and in, you know, and in um, the Caribbean as well. Um, it's a it's a great place to learn stuff, meet people, 
that, that have a similar interest. And they're, um, they, they are, I'm a true believer in the group. And, and they're, 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 the folks that I deal with, they're my best friends, um, particularly um, an incredible body of, of knowledge when it comes to anything. I mean, I have a list, you know, be standing on your head in the engine compartment working on something, and I say, okay, I need to call Tony on this, you know, or Carl on that, or Charlie on this. And you've got a guy who has done it, knows it, understands it, and can help you walk through an issue. That's the personal level. And then the, the, the organizational level, of course, is that, you know, you're, you're part of something, a, a bigger group, and you can go from port to port and maybe find local units and meet up with them if you can't find your looper friends. Um, so that's my, uh, my, my little elevator speech on it. Um, and that's how I found this boat, by, sheer, by sitting down next to a guy in a meeting and striking yeah. up a conversation. Yeah, um, it's a great organization. Um, it's, it's a great place to start, you know, that that boating education and, and it goes up to advanced levels in the courses as well. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as David described, it's a lot like the looper community, but on a more localized basis. Yeah. Um, so kind of before you start on the loop and, and make all those great looping friends, th this is your your tribe before that. So definitely <laughs> something we encourage you to look into. David and Deborah Allen, owners of Cersei, thank you for joining me today. It's been wonderful to hear from you and learn a little bit more about how you found your boat. We appreciate you. All right. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Jim. Thanks for having and, us. Uh, you're very welcome. And, and to everyone who is listening and watching today, thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. <laughs>